talk, we talk, we talk Superman, and we know what's happening. We talk, we talk, we talk Superman, and we cover everything. Uh, Editor Perry White here of the Daily Planet. Uh, nope. Uh, Rob O'Connor here, co-host of the All-Star Super Fan Podcast, and you needn't worry, because I won't be doing that voice all night. If this is your first time listening, this is the podcast that delves into any and all things Superman throughout the full 85-year legacy of The Man of Steel. I'm one of your hosts, Rob O'Connor. I am unfortunately not joined by my co-host, Alan Burke, tonight. He got caught up in some important police business. Uh, but he sends his apologies. Uh, check out our previous episodes where we've talked comics, movies, and TV shows. Plus, we've had a number of interviews with great comic book writers, animation directors, and actors from the Superman movies. Uh, please do us a huge favor and follow us on Twitter at All Star Super Pod, Facebook and Instagram at All Star Super Fan. Uh, we are now on Blue Sky at All Star Super Fan. And be sure to send us your thoughts and questions and queries on allstarsuperpod at gmail.com. Finally, uh, we would really appreciate it if you could rate and review the show wherever you get it, especially on Apple Podcasts, as that will help people find the show. Superman Saturday at seven on BBC One. I, I wanted to do kind of a follow-up episode to our previous episode with Matt and Craig because uh, for me as someone who is not from America discovering Superman I think was kind of a unique and, and, and different thing to the, the way it happens over there and I, I wanted to bring on two people who probably have similar or maybe very different experiences as well both with the show and with Superman in general. So can you please <laughs> welcome back to the show uh from our steel episode and uh from the and why not pod mr stuart mulrain welcome back to the show thank you thank you for having me back oh yeah and uh we, we, we've definitely talked about her a, a good few times on the show in the past you've you've sent us some lovely correspondence and uh, i know alan met you on a previous uh show as well but for the first time on all-star superfan can you welcome please daniela rod welcome to the show Hi everyone! I'm glad to be here. I'm very honored to, to be honest. We're, we we are honored to have you. And uh, for Thank anyone you. wondering uh, that there is a there, there's radio silence from uh, from Mullingar tonight. My illustrious co-host Alan, very very last minute, uh, is very very disappointed, but he's not going to make it tonight because he's he's engaged in some important police business. So if you remember our review of the Flash. We always like to have a little bit of a laugh that uh, Alan sometimes is not available to talk about people who solve crimes because he has actual crimes to solve. He's returning videotapes. Uh, he's returning <laughs> videotapes. Ooh, very different franchise. Um, okay, cool. So what I want to do is, uh, first of all, we'll start with you, Daniela, because you've never been on the show before. Can mm. you tell us a little bit about yourself and I suppose how first of all you got you discovered superman and then maybe segue into how you discovered lois and clark mm -hmm. so um i discovered superman over wonder woman i watched wonder woman first on the carter one ah. uh, because that's the only thing that was available in austria and i didn't 
I haven't heard anything about comics uh, before I, I actually heard something about Wonder Woman. Um, and then, like, shortly after they, they aired Wonder Woman in Austria, yeah. um, the Lewis and Clark pilot came on, and I just watched it by coincidence, and that's that's how I got to know Superman and fell in love with the show. That's what basically that's basically it. Um, and from then on, you know, I got more into like, okay, who is this guy Superman? And then I read the Death of Superman, the novel, and I read a few comics. But we'll probably get into this more that it yeah. was very hard to get anything Superman related in Austria. Yeah, I think it still is in a way, apart from the internet. But if you want to have actual comics in your hand, it's yeah. not that it's not that easy, and it was really really almost impossible back then you know um, and were you reading them in um in german or how like were, yeah. were you reading them in english or yeah in german so the ones that were available um i i read in german there was nothing really in english available at the time okay yeah wow and and did you have to go to a comic shop or was it just yeah. kind of yeah 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 yeah, that's yeah. a shop like the only I, I come from a really small town and the only shop where you could get something comic book related was in Vienna. And that's more like an hour away from where I grew up. Mm. So I always asked my aunt because she always went there for shopping. <laughs> I always ask her if you meet any, like if you pass by any comic shops, uh, get me some Superman stuff. And she just got me whatever was available basically. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and for, forgive my ignorance now. What is Superman called in the German dubs? Is it just Superman, or does he have like a German name or mm, a Superman? Okay, because I, yeah. I know I I think it's in Sweden. He's called Stahlmannen. I think okay. Uh, th there is okay. a country where he and 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 I I know in the Irish language dubs of some of the cartoons they've they've given him funny names here and there, but they funny usually name. just stick with Superman. But uh. Okay, yeah. really cool. So, um, and and in terms of now, like, is it easier? Do, do you read English comics now, or would you still read everything in German, or, or do you, do you come by them a little bit easier? Or yeah, yeah, you come you come by them a lot easier because you can buy almost anything online. And the first time I really got into English reading was when I lived in the UK for two years. <laughs> I lived okay. in London for two years. Um, so that that's basically where all my English knowledge is from from at the time where i lived there and i always loved being there because you could get so much more superman stuff you know yeah and i started reading the fanfics i don't know if you if you're familiar with them the we site. talked a lot about <laughs> fanfics last week actually are you are you referring okay. specifically to the lois and clark fanfics yes <laughs> yeah I, I i am very ashamed to say that i've actually written and Lois and Clark fan fiction and if you look hard enough you can find it out there on the internet <laughs> okay uh, is it under I your will... name it is I'm afraid to say yes you can find my I, I I was definitely on the Lois and Clark fan fiction archive which is still a site that exists today yes. Yes. I have I have stories on that I've got like three or four different fan fics on that and then on fanfiction.net i believe i'm also on that yeah and you can yeah. tell that i wrote them when i was like 12 because they are bad they are really really bad yeah whenever i i want to get some new lois and clark kick apart from you know starting a rewatch or something i always yeah. go to that site and i always yeah. find new stories and it it amazes me what people wrote like it's insane. like even very late on yeah it's insane like also i the, i, I 
I logged onto that site last week to st- to see if it was still there. Still, yes. Yeah. And not only is it still there, they've added like 53 new stories in the last two weeks or something. Yes, yes. It's, and the, like a lot of those fanfics are long as well. They're like book length mm-hmm. stories. Like book length, yeah. Write. Yeah. Um, I, I have read a few of the other people's stories on them and uh, th- there was a couple that were really, really good. I'll give them that. And then there's there's <laughs> other ones, obviously, that are very kind of... Craig referred to this last week. Um, I think they call it N-fic or Naughty-fic. And there's basically yeah. just a lot of kind of... Just, just <laughs> sexual porn, stuff, yeah. Sexual stuff. And you're kind of like, yeah. that's, not, that's not what happens in the show. Well, it is what <laughs> happens in the show, but not that way. Um, yeah. Stuart, uh, I'm, I'm, you know, you're an illustrious fan fiction writer, I believe. <laughs> I'm not actually. I've never really slipped into the world of fan fiction. Get careful with how you phrase that. Uh, yeah. For, for, for anyone who doesn't know, I, I know you've kind of talked about it a little bit on your own show and 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 here and there and stuff like that. Can you tell us um, what was your first exposure to Superman, and then how did kind of Lois and Clark come in then? Um, I grew up with the Christopher Reeve films and like the Ruby Spears series. I remember that being on. The children's channel or cartoon network or one of those ones over here um but i didn't get into superman properly until i was on holiday in menorca and we've got got an english language newspaper and on the back it had about superman returning from the dead oh cool that's exciting so as soon as i got home i ventured to a comic shop which remember in 1993 comic shops are very different to what they are now they're all blacked out windows and creepy places mm-hmm. where people said there was weirdos in there which there were but you know <laughs> yeah friendly weirdos um <laughs> So yeah, ventured into the comic shop and slipped down a rabbit hole from there. And with the combination of that, uh, for anybody who does the Stuart Superman stories drinking game, the Dirt Mags radio series, and yes. then I discovered Superboy on ITV and was watching that. And then that ended. And then about a week or two later, I think it was, it might be less, but you know what it's like, memory. Um, my dad told me that there was a Superman show starting on BBC One the following mm-hmm. Saturday. And then so Saturday, 8th of January, I was one of the 8 to 10 million in the UK that sat down to watch it on BBC One. That is insane. 8 to 10 million. I, know. I, I, heard, you, I heard you say that on, on your podcast. Where did you get those viewing figures? Because that's... Um, I can't remember where it was. It was I did a lot of digging and that was the closest I could find. To, it might have been a Wikipedia thing. So it might yeah. not be... But I would imagine around then, sort of Noel's House Party was pulling in those sort of numbers. and Amazing. Because so, yeah. y- you mentioned BBC One there. Uh, I mainly watched Lois and Clark on RT2, which was called Network 2. It's an Irish channel. But I believe the pilot I did watch on BBC One when it first aired. and Because I, I remember watching the promo for it that they ran. And I was like three at the time. <laughs> and I, remem- <laughs> I remember watching the promo and uh, I, I'll i share this story. I remember specifically saying to my mum afterwards... Mum, did you know that Superman has a red cape? And she said, well, you're going to have a red ass unless you go to bed right now. Because I was I was three. And it was like it was like 7 p.m. or something or whenever I had to go to bed when I was three. I vividly remember that. And I remember watching the pilot with her. And she I mentioned this on our previous episode. She loved that first season. And I think she really loved Michael Landis. Um, and I think when he left, she kind of lost interest a little bit. But as the series went on, I... You know, I encountered a lot of women who really liked it. Like, I, my babysitter watched it every week. She loved it. Um, mm-hmm. I've I've worked with people over the years, like other producers and, and women and stuff, who who really, really remember the show. There's a broadcaster here, Kira King, who has a segment on her radio show called Kira's Diaries. And she's written a book called uh, Kira's Diaries, which are just excerpts from, from that segment. 
And she literally talks about how much she loves Dean Cain in that book. And there's a picture of him on the back of the book. Like, that's how, you know. So, I suppose, Daniela, like, I mentioned this in our previous episode that I think Lois and Clark was different in a way in that it really seemed to appeal to women as well as men. Would you mm-hmm. Would you agree? Did that bring you in? Or is that something that you... Yeah, uh, yeah, totally. I mean, I was just entering puberty. I was 11 or 12 when it aired. And for me, it was sort of like okay, this is a grown-up series, you know? Yeah. <laughs> because it's a romantic series. Um, and it really, you know, took me, took everything from from me that I was interested in. Like, I, I started liking guys, so Dean Cain was, like, my, my heartthrob, and I was looking for role models, so Lois Lane was my total idol. Um, yeah. And I, 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 you know, the figuring out what what does a romantic relationship look like to me, and I always thought, like, this is my the perfect relationship they have you know so yeah i think um i never knew any guys who liked the show yeah. except when i started listening to matt Truex's podcast <laughs> and I, I thought like okay there's also guys who like this but i never knew anyone <laughs> i mean there 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 wasn't a big hype in austria anyway you know but yeah yeah if if people watched the show then it were women yeah and were you, I meant to ask you this, were you watching it around the same time as it aired kind of in, in, in the UK and Ireland okay. and, and America or were you behind, do you think? Always behind a year. Okay. Yeah, yeah. because they always had to dub it. I think that what, I don't know, that's probably took them a year or something. Yeah. Uh, so we were always late, yeah, a year. I'd be really interested to find out if the guy who dubbed Clark and Superman in, in, in that show dub superman and anything else because i i do know that like there is kind of consistency and like Stuart, you might know this that like some of the james bonds like they've used the same guy across different yeah. actors mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i think yeah, that for pierce brosnan they use the same I, I they still use the same guy do they really? for the german yeah for the german uh dubbing yeah <clears throat> and Stuart, Daniela made an interesting point there that like it was kind of like it feels like a more grown up series. Like, did you experience that distinction going from something like Superboy, which, you know, with the best of respect to that show, it does play more to kids than I think, you know, that there was definitely older fans who watched it. But did you notice that like, oh, no, this is kind of a more serious kind of Superman for grown ups kind of thing? Did you find that at all? Yeah, I mean. I really liked Superboy, and I will quickly, because I'd like to dispel this myth wherever I go. Yeah, Superboy was not cancelled because of Lois and Clark. Superboy hit its hundred <laughs> episodes, and it ended. Yeah. The two had nothing to do with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, I was fourteen, going on fifteen when it started. Well, just turned fourteen, fifteen in August. So I was sort of at that mm. kid adulthood age, sort of in between. So it did feel very grown up. And you're right, it was weirdly geared towards women that first season. I think I've got a friend who I've met since who was at a London convention when they showed the teaser, which I think it was the What a Man, black and white. Yeah. Sexy one. one yeah. And he said everybody in the room laughed that was comic book wow. fans. And the guy from Warner Bros. was like, no, 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 it's not going to be like that. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, it blatantly was going to be like that. I think towards later series, they started to gear it a bit more towards comic books. And that's comic book fans and a bit more it got goofier let's be honest i mm-hmm. i definitely definitely in season two you can feel that they were trying to make it into more of a traditional superman show and there's mm-hmm. a lot more action and they bring in villains from the comics and then that you know they bring in these other villains like the lenny the Soundman stoke <laughs> and he's got like you know he's wearing a motorcycle helmet and he's singing rock and roll and all like you can feel them trying to bring the guys in you know but um 
Yeah, no, it's it's really strange. I mentioned this last week. For me, I was, you know, four or five watching the show every week. I only it, w- it was the only version of Superman I knew. It introduced me to the franchise. It never occurred to me at the time that, like, oh, no, this is a more, you know, we're trying to aim it more towards, you know, women or we're, we're trying to be sexier or anything like that. I just, I just thought that was, I just thought it was Superman, you know? Yeah. So it's interesting now kind of looking back and, you know, hearing that it wasn't resonating with certain people and all that kind of stuff. Just on the Superboy thing, Stuart, I wanted to point it for anyone who doesn't know, because I don't know if this has ever actually come up here. Uh, th- there is this kind of myth or tall tale. I, I, I don't know. Maybe there is some, th- th- there is some validity to it. Gerard Christopher, the actor who played Superboy, maintains that the reason the show got cancelled was because Warner Brothers wanted to make Lois and Clark, which was going to be a big network show. It was going to be on a major network. It was going to be a much bigger deal than Superboy, which was kind of this small sort of low-budget syndicated show. And uh, his reasoning has always been that they cancelled Superboy so that they could make this. And also, the other part of the story is he tell he, he claims... And I have to be very careful what I say here because he might be coming back on the show, guys. I'll tell you about that off air. <laughs> um, he maintains that he actually auditioned for Lois and Clark and was cast in the role. And then somebody read his, we call it a CV, Americans call it a resume. Someone read on his resume that he'd played Superboy before. And they said, oh, well, you've done this before. Get out of my sight. You're fired. <laughs> Now, it's always felt a little bit of an embellished story to me because even on the Lois and Clark DVDs, they interview the casting producers and they're both women. And Gerard mm-hmm. Christopher describes like a man being the guy who fired him. So I don't know. So Something doesn't quite mm-hmm. add up for me. I wonder with if that. Gerard Christopher just turned up to a random garage somewhere. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, show, honest. It was actually like a porn parody or something. <laughs> um, Daniela, I... We, we always spend way too much time talking about Superboy on the show. Have you seen Superboy? And do you have any thoughts on how different Lois and Clark might have been had Gerard Christopher been the guy? Well, I've only seen bits and pieces because you guys talked about it so much. But <laughs> <laughs> I, to my knowledge, it was never on German TV. So yeah. I didn't know anything about it. Um, yeah, except from what you guys talked about. And then I looked it up on YouTube and stuff. And... <laughs> it feels it feels very different from Lois and Clark. So I yeah yeah it was definitely geared to a different audience. Yeah, de- definitely geared to a different audience. And Superboy has its place as well. But and we we were talking a second ago about how we watched it and how the show sort of unfolded and stuff like that. Daniela, for you, it you know talk to me about the different seasons and where like which version of the because the show changed so much throughout. Like mm-hmm. is is there. Is there a tone or a vibe of one season that that really resonates with you more than the others, or do you kind of like the whole package? Well, watching it initially, I liked the whole package. I didn't, mm. uh, I didn't differentiate between the seasons. It was just an ongoing thing, and I, you know, everyone was looking for it, waiting for the wedding, basically. Yeah. But the biggest, um, the biggest switch, I think, was when they had the fake wedding with the frogs. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's when everyone knew, okay, something changed uh, and this is not going to be successful anymore. Yeah. Um, looking back on it, it always changes. I don't know. Sometimes I really, really like season two. Sometimes I like bits and pieces of season three. I really don't like season four that much. Mm. I mean, I watch it for some episodes and for 
some moments you find in there but yeah i think right now i i, I like season one the best because it feels like yeah. it almost feels like if you would end it in season one it'd be a whole separate closed thing it, you know it, it would be yeah i know exactly what you mean yeah, yeah. especially that that final episode like it, it could just lead into anything yeah you know the, the final um, episode feels like like the pilot is a, is is his own thing yeah. the last episode feels like its own thing too so yeah. i would so be fine if it's well. just season one <laughs> but of course i love i love all the other seasons too so i, I i'm kind of with you on that i have to say like i i i I love season one. What I do find with it though is all the episodes are so self-contained, and there's a couple of ones yeah. near the near the start of season one that aren't great, you know. Mm. And and you know it, it can be it can be harder to binge season one. Whereas when you get into season two and the the romance yeah. stuff really kicks into gear, and yeah. yeah, there are goofy episodes, but it's some of the best goofy episodes of the whole series. Yeah, are in yeah. Season two, the I prankster think. ones. <laughs> prankster yeah. resplendent man metallo like yeah. the lenny lenny the sandman stoke <laughs> you uh, really like I'm, lenny <laughs> oh man he's on my top five goofy guys um there, there's so much to love in season two even though it is missing that kind of the tone or the vibe of season one that was slightly more serious and slightly less formulaic as well season one like mm-hmm. they're, they're, they were willing to have episodes like honeymoon in metropolis where you know you might only see superman for like 10 seconds in one scene mm-hmm you know, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I, I think there's a lot of season two that I think is as good or even better than season one. And then there's there's bits of season three that I really, really like. And my mm-hmm. biggest surprise, I have to say, guys, there's actually a lot of stuff in season four. When when they when they finally just get married and it's done and there's no more kind of like dangling mm-hmm. the card, you know, in front of everyone. I think when they finally just get married and they get back to just having solid episodes of the week kind of superman adventures it it, it, it it's it's watchable again after that for me uh and then mm-hmm. obviously the, the the final episode of season four is just terrible yeah <laughs> well, where are you at Stuart? because i i feel like you're you're a season one I'm, I'm i'm a season one guy purely partly because that's where my biggest nostalgia for it is because i watched season one religiously yeah. i taped season one on a saturday night and then i'd watch the episode again on a sunday morning and then that summer in 94 over the course of a couple of days i rewatched the videotapes so mm-hmm. and then if I do a rewatch, it's generally season one, and then I'll sometimes go into season two. I rarely go beyond mm. season two. Um, really, I was liking it a bit. To doesn't quite work, but the Batman films. So season one is Batman, season two is Batman Returns, season three is Batman Forever, <laughs> and then season four is Batman and Robin. <laughs> That's a good it's, it's not quite there, but it's sort of fits loosely. Um, season two has got some really good stuff in it. Season one's great for me. Yeah, five stars, no faults. Even like you know, smart kids. The nostalgia's there for me, so I'll always love yeah. that. There, like you say, there's some se- really weird episodes in season one that aren't good. It was <laughs> it was swinging <laughs> for the fence. You really feel the lack of Deborah Joy Levine. Yeah, from season two yeah. onwards, oh, yeah. and as they seem to go into panic mode after season season two, feels a bit like season one. Season three, if you missed out season two and went from season one to season three, it's like a completely mm. different show. And then yeah. by season four, it's just gone off the deep end. Um, season four, it moved over to Sky. So I think it was on Sky and then we got it on BBC One about a month or so later. So I was dipping and out of it by that point. And it, I, I, on the topic of it moving to Sky, I think it moved to Sky mid-season, didn't it? I thought it was season four. I might be wrong. 
Like, no, as in, in midway through season four. Maybe no, they got it for season four because I remember no. I didn't even see the end of season three. I think I got a job by then. So Saturday nights I was down the pub and that sort of thing. <laughs> um, so I, I did dip in and out of episodes. There, there, I specifically remember, Stuart, actually, um, on Sky, there was a promo for the Tempest arc in season four. I specifically remember in my parents' house watching that promo and thinking, oh, wow, it's on it's on Sky now. And it, it was lined up with the Irish broadcasts of it as well. So, yeah, that's just, you're, you're unlocking all these memories now talking about it. You know? I said to Matt when we did the Lois and Clark episode of my pod that I kind of think it moving to Sky possibly killed it. I think if the UK audience had stayed, it potentially would have got a fifth season. I know Terry wanted out and I think Lane Smith wanted out by that point. Again, the prevailing theory is that they were going to do a season five on a smaller cable network and they were only going to do 12 episodes and i don't know did was it terry hatcher getting pregnant or was there some other reason that that didn't end up going ahead i think it was that i remember being interviewed on breakfast tv when tomorrow never dies came out and somebody called in and said how much they love her and they love the show and she was really dismissive about it and telling her that it was done it was over I get the feeling that Terry Hatcher wasn't in a great mm. place at that time. Um, so I'm yeah. not throwing any shade at Terry Hatcher. Um, mm. But as a super Lois and Clark fan, hearing her be kind of like, you know, no, it's dead, it's gone. I was kind of really? That's brutal. Yeah. <laughs> you could have been like, oh, I'd love to have done more, but just lie. <laughs> and and Daniela, were, were you still like there every week watching the show in season four when it was kind of, when it was really bad and it was kind of coming to an end or, mm. you know, had you drifted away? No, no. I was there for the whole thing and I wow. cried my eyes out when it, when it ended. Uh, I always had to tape it because I lived in a boarding school and I, I looked this up because I, I remembered it wasn't on, on on the weekend because I always had to tape it. And they first aired it on a Sunday evening. Then they changed it to Friday evening. And then like this, the fourth season, half of the last half of the fourth season, they put it on a Saturday at four o'clock because I Ooh. I remember coming home from boarding school and being like, okay, I can watch it now without taping it. I mean, I, I taped it anyway mm. uh, to rewatch it later, but I thought, okay, this time on a Saturday, who's going to watch it except for me because everyone, everyone's out, you know? So yeah. I think that the timing when they put it on TV, I think that's what killed it too. I mean, they probably did this because they realized no one's watching anymore after the frog stuff. Um, <laughs> and and probably they thought, okay, Friday is the Friday time slot is, is too valuable and they put it somewhere else. But yeah, I watched it's, it first. It's so weird to me thinking about it being on any other night than a Saturday. Because when Superman, mm-hmm. um, Superman and Lois started over here, they put it on on that Saturday tea yeah, time slot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, was like, that, yeah. I was watching it weekly because of that. Because it was on, I think, again, with it moving to Sky, it wasn't on on a Saturday anymore either. I want to say it was a Tuesday night. I might be wrong. Mm-hmm. But um, it moved around on a Saturday night. I think the pilot was 5.30, and then it had moved to like 6.15. Sometimes it was 7. Mm-hmm. There was no regular time slot for over here. So like when the Magician episode in season one mm-hmm. Another not very good one, by the way. See, I quite like it, but for years, I didn't know how that episode started because the video, it started at the wrong time. So the video Uh, cut off the pre-titles bit. So I had no idea what was going on in the beginning of that one. Isn't it amazing, though, that like it was so successful in the UK specifically that it got the BBC interested in fantasy in that time slot again? 
and they reckon that that's what eventually led to Doctor Who coming back. Yeah, Russell T. Davis and has said that, hasn't he? Russell T. Davis, there's a clip of him literally saying, when we were trying to figure out how to do Doctor Who again, we looked to Lois and Clark because it, you know, it was this show that combined fantasy with romance and humor and all this stuff and, and it just really really worked and it play it didn't just play to kind of smelly anoraks like <laughs> families watched it together and stuff like that and he used that as the basis for doctor who which is still on now you know well so it's 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 interesting in a way that like for a lot of superman fans and especially people in america lois and clark is a bit of a footnote but you know around the world i think sometimes that maybe it had more of a last you know, I was talking before about how, you know, Lois and Clark was this sexy show and it was aimed at adults and all this kind of stuff. For me, as a kid, it always felt, at least based on the promotional stuff I was seeing Dean Kane in on Live and Kicking, and uh, I've sent you guys some of these clips, it really mm. felt like they were pushing it to kids and families and not like older people at all. Did you, did you find that, Stuart? Yeah, I mean, those clips you sent, I watched every single one of those when they uh, went out, I remember seeing them all, and I put it, the clip wasn't in the package you sent, but there's also one of him in the broom cupboard on children's TV in the afternoon on BBC One. But I, yeah, I think particularly here, I think they were going for that family audience because they put it on tea time on a Saturday when you would watch it as a family, so it made sense to sort of promote it to kids mm-hmm. on live and kick in and that sort of thing and it, there was nothing particularly adult about it. you watch it with adult eyes and like this program mm. isn't adult at all really there's some adult stuff in it but it's not as grown up as you think it is <laughs> you thought it was when yeah. you were 14 yeah I, I should chime in actually by the way uh special thanks to mark witherspoon who is a listener of the show he sent in a couple of really really nice letters over the past uh year or two but he sent us this tome of footage and, you know, w- one of the clips is Dean Kane being interviewed on a green screen uh, w- with as if he's flying and the interviewer is flying along with him. I remember watching that as a kid. I, I must have been three or four and thinking, oh, and then it cuts to, you know, the-, 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 the footage of him flying cuts out and you just see this green screen. And it was the mm-hmm. first time ever as a kid where I was like, oh, that's how they do it. You know, and it felt completely real. And then suddenly he was in front of a green screen. I was like, what? And Trevor and but, Simon um, come in and take it down. <laughs> it's 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 amazing to have that. So thank you again so much, Mark. We're going to put the whole thing up on the Lois and Clark, the Legacy Facebook group. And we'll probably put snippets of, up of it uh, on our other socials as well. Did you see those as well, Daniela? Yeah, I watched them when you <laughs> sent me them. But I was really surprised too that I, I thought, yeah, that's the kids programming. And I was like, okay, yeah. that 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 surprises me. Because in Austria, you didn't have anything, Lois and Clark, I mean, except for the series itself. But because they always stop everything, you don't mm. get you don't get any interviews or stuff, you know, like you would get in the UK, for example. And if you got stuff, it was like snippets from I think Extra is the was the um, was the show they called it in America. Okay. Oh, they, they, uh, even mentioned, they, they even mentioned it once in the series. Like I, I think it's called Extra. Where they, it's they, not like they, Entertainment they, Tonight or something, though. Or Hollywood Extra. How, yeah, I don't know. May, maybe something like that. So yeah. they they cut together bits and pieces, and then they they dub that, and mm. they yeah show that on on like a four minute segment or something, but never any real interviews, you know. Yeah. Also not in, in newspapers because they would have to translate it and then a lot of a lot of the meaning goes missing. Yeah. 
that, yeah. Yeah, I remember I, I... a lot of that for the first season. I don't remember it beyond that. But I do wonder, because watching that footage, Dean Kane must have been like, UK TV's weird, man. I was on this thing where I had to rate records, where they yeah. measured it. The flowers. flower going up. <laughs> then I was on this thing called Noel's House Party. And, and and keep in mind, by the way, it isn't Dean Kane. It's literally Clark Kent. They have yeah. him there dressed as Clark Kent yeah. with the glasses and everything. It's bizarre. They used to it's do like that. Something... They had like the Mountie from Due South turn up on yeah. an episode of Noel's House Party. And that was it. There was no real promoting the show beyond you going in character and being that somebody insane. opens the door to. Such a surreal thing. With that in mind, uh, the term I've come to coin original Lois and Clark villains <laughs> who did not come from the comics. So not Lex Luthor, not Metallo, not Toyman, not Prankster, none of those guys. Just the ones that are completely unique to Lois and Clark. The term I've come up with them is goofy guys. So I want to hear from you guys who your top five goofy guys from Lois and Clark, the new adventures of Superman are. Stuart, we'll start with you. Who is your top five uh, goofy guys? Uh, see, I've got six. I'm going to have an honourable mention. Six? <laughs> i got six as well. <laughs> right. Out and out goofy guy, Spencer Spencer. Oh, my God. Yeah. And when he popped up in 10 Things <laughs> I Hate About You, when I was watching that a few years later in the cinema, and I was like, Spencer Spencer. <laughs> God, we recorded, we recorded with Matt Craig and Alan a couple of weeks ago and all three of them picked Spencer Spencer on their list. I just, I, I hate that episode. Oh, I do. I it's, I rarely rewatch the episode for that villain. And then Doctor Who did an episode, one of the Christmas specials that Greg Davies, it was pretty much a head on a box. I was like, they've just ripped off Spencer Spencer. <laughs> <laughs> it's weird. He's so such strange. an awful villain. Um, then I've got Miranda from Fermo, my lovely Morgan Fairchild. Chandler's mom. Yeah. Just that she she that was a pretty good episode and she was a pretty good character in it. That episode's mm-hmm. got a great Cat Grant thing in it, where she's where having she's sex with a guy in, in the, the copy room st- in the copy room, and then she comes <laughs> out she's like, "What? What pheromone?" Yeah, I didn't get I didn't get sprayed. <laughs> that that's one of the most like specifically adult moments I think in the whole series, and definitely in season one, where where you can tell. They were aiming at it like a specifically an older audience. Mm-hmm. Like you'd never get that in the later seasons. Yeah. No, I said to Matt, like very strange feelings about Cat Grant. She scared me and at the same time stirred <laughs> teenage boy. <laughs> <laughs> um then I've got uh Jason Trask. Oh great choice. villain. Yeah. Cause I, I tried to get clarity on what goofy guys were, but I, I just picked my bit. <laughs> Five favorite or weirdest, not the thing. Lenny Stoke. Yes, finally. Lenny Stoke's <laughs> got to be in there. I'm trying to build up. I mean, I think Lenny Stoke would be my top. It's Lenny Stoke and Jason Trask are probably my two, the highest ones for me. Excellent. Lenny Stoke's just such a wonderful thing. It feels a little bit like the biker gang from The Flash pilot. Oh, I, I love Lenny Stoke. Goofy. And, and that song that- is awesome. <laughs> Try to penetrate my wall of sound. It's I mentioned such this on 90s rock. I love it. I reached out to Michael Desbaris on Twitter one time and asked him, did he have a version of that song anywhere? You know, a master of it on a CD or maybe an old cassette tape or something. Because I'd love to hear if it's a whole song. Like, And he was like, Rob, I barely remember that, <laughs> that whole experience. But thank you for reminding me of it. And I sent him a clip and he said, oh, that's great. But I don't remember this at all. I was so. amazed that didn't come out as a single. I'd love to see Dean Kane with Trevor and Simon talking about that music video. 
Right, my honourable mention is Preston Carpenter from Mines and Metropolis, just because it's Dean Stockwell. It's like, it's Al from Quantum Leap oh, being yeah. a villain. That's right. He was great, but unfortunately we had a Lex Luthor then, so we didn't need him, but I thought he was a great sort of counter point mm-hmm. to Lex But my fifth one is Bill Church, junior or senior, just because what they did with senior was just weird. It's like they built him up as this thing, then he disappears for ages, then he comes back and he's been softened and then into gang disappears. I completely agree. I, mm. Yeah, the first time they interview, introduce Peter Boyle in the show, he's like really kind of scary and imposing. Oh, mm. When he blows his lawyer up, that's dark. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's dark. And then they bring him back and he's just this kind of goofball and he's not as interesting. And then they set um, his girlfriend up, which is great. And Intergang just disappears. Disappears, yeah. I think it missed that Lex Luthor style villain. It seemed like they wanted to do that with Intergang mm. and then just got bored. Again, I think it comes back to the fact that they were trying to retool the show to be more of a kind of action-based, traditional Superman show that plays to comic fans and and kind of people who just want action and stuff like that. And I feel like if they'd leaned more into that, Intergang would have been a bigger deal in season two. But I think what they discovered was, well, no, the thing that people really, really like about the show is the romance and we need to we need to go back to that because that's that's what works, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they, they sort of leaned away. I think um, it, I think it's that, and I think it's how well received that Tempest episode was. Yes, because even yeah, now on IMDb, yeah. that's the highest rated episode. I, I I do have to point, and I didn't say this. What Matt also had Bill Church on his uh, Goofy Guys list. I'm pretty sure that Bill Church and Bill Church Junior are basically just the show's versions of Morgan Edge. They are. Vincent they Edge. just couldn't use mm-hmm. Morgan Edge and Vincent Edge, and they just couldn't use them. So I I like. I'll allow it. I've got it on a technicality. That's why I had Preston Carpenter with yeah. my backup. I, I'll allow it. Uh, no, look, great, great choices there. And and great to hear Jason Trask. I'm surprised he didn't end up on any of our lists actually last week. He's a really great villain. And we shouldn't forget to mention as well, he showed up on, on Superman and Lois. Yeah. <laughs> In a tiny, tiny role, but it was definitely him. And they he's credited as, as Jason Trask. So great little nod there. Yeah, I kind of wish the other guy had been Jason Trask in Superman and Lois. Yeah. On a side note. Yeah, it would have been nice to have him give Jason Trask that redemptive arc. Mm-hmm. Mitch Anderson, yeah, I suppose they probably would have had to pay the writer who came up with Jason. Possibly, Trask. yeah. Uh, Daniela, how about you? Give us your your top five goofy guys yeah, or, or very, girls, by the way. Very similar, actually. Um, my first one is Tim and Emma Lake from Great Don't Choice. Type and yeah, Jonathan uh, Frakes. That was that was on my Jane list France. for the longest. I had such a long list that to whittle it down. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I wanted to ask you guys, because of the Batmobile, so because I, I checked what they said in English, because in, in the German version, they say specifically that it's Batman's car. And I wanted to check if they also said that in English, and they didn't. They just say, uh, we're betty about it. Yeah. So they actually say this is Batman's yeah. car. Oh, yeah. that's amazing. Yeah. That's yeah. really cool. Yeah. That's really interesting, because when I watched that as a kid, the, the, the bit with the Batmobile like they shoot it from a weird angle you you can barely see it yeah. i did not remember that at all watching that mm-hmm. episode as a kid and i remember the episode i remember thinking tim and amber lake were cool villains and i recognized your man from star trek and all that i have no memory of the batmobile showing up so if they'd actually said look mm-hmm. it's batman's car i might have remembered it better you know so it's cool that well, they, they did say that, isn't it? uh and we collect stuff da, 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 and this car one of a kind i'm sure batman misses it that's, that's what they cool. say that's cool that's yeah <laughs> That's great. Uh, okay, then my second one is Kelvin Drake from Wine, Wine, Wine. 
the guy who gets hurt in the hand. Yes. I like him. He's not that much of a villain, but that's my favorite episode. So, uh, so, so he, he is the he is the guitar player yeah. who breaks his hand when Superman rescues him and he tries to sue Superman, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. That's that episode, episode there was a weird hype for because and when it showed in the UK because they mm-hmm. made a big thing about Adam West being in it and Frank Gorshin yes. being in it. Yes. Mm-hmm. Frank Gorshin has a pretty good, memorable scene in that episode. Yeah. Adam West, you, like you again, you blink and you miss him because he only shows up yeah. on the little handheld uh, TV. Thing. Yeah, he's like, you can barely mm-hmm. tell it's, it's him. Mm-hmm. It's like when I was watching Heat the other night, and Mason Drake's in Heat as a Is news she? reporter, like briefly blinking, you'll miss it. It was only because mm-hmm. I was like, that looks like I paused it and then I IMDb'd mm-hmm. it. it. Is that's awesome. It's I have to point. I have to point out as well, Daniela, that in Wine, Wine, Wine. There's that lovely scene where Lois and Clark are, uh, you know, that the, they're both upset with each other and they want to call each other, but they can't. Mm-hmm. And the, the, they play that Eric Clapton yeah. song, uh, Old Love. Old Love, yeah. And it's one of Alan's favorite uh, moments yeah. in the show. And I, I think he even had the song played in his wedding in some way. So, uh, really? So, yeah. Yeah. So it meant that much to him. So, yeah. So that's that's pretty cool as well. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of 90s TV had this um, music montages. I mean, yeah. I specifically remember Baywatch, like they did it in every episode, but yeah. There's some amazing ones in Baywatch, especially when it was David Hasselhoff singing. So he was singing in the episode as David Hasselhoff. Yeah. You're like all these street urchin kids come crawling out of the subways. And, and he was pretty popular in Austria. So. Yeah. Uh, Baywatch okay, is so another that's... one. I Sorry, sorry to interrupt. Bay, Baywatch is another one I fondly remember watching back in the day. And it totally just flew over my head that it was this sexy thing like i i just like david hasselhoff <laughs> and the adventures he had baywatch um, was massive and i actually went back big. and rewatched the first series the first series actually surprisingly holds up after that it really goes weird and they get lost at sea mm. <laughs> lost at sea sorry guys sorry guys uh moving on <laughs> okay uh so number three was kelvin drake then number four lenny stoke oh yes excellent <laughs> and number five preston carpenter because i really liked that episode uh, and my number six was Mindy Church. I like I like Bill Church, and when they when she took over, I hoped they would bring up Into Gang more, but they never did. Yeah, I, I I mentioned this in our other episode that Mindy Church is very similar to the character Lorelai in Superman Three, where they they set up this idea that she's actually really really intelligent and she's just pretending to be this ditzy blonde and all that, and then they don't do anything with it. Thing with it, mm. so annoying, especially and being a fan just... of the comics. And it's like you've already you've already wasted this opportunity in the movies. Why did you waste it again in this TV show? This is interesting. But uh, no, I I I, I like Mindy Church. Yeah, I I think those episodes are when the tone really starts changing in the show and it really becomes this kind of goofy, mm. campy thing. But uh, I, I I really like what they did there. And I think she dated Dean Cain in real life, didn't she? Yeah, I heard about that. Yeah. So yeah, so so great choices, guys. Uh, we're we're gonna do top five episodes next because i want to do moments last so can you give me your top five episodes Stuart? right okay i'm warning you now it's going to be very season one heavy um <laughs> right the pilot is a given yeah it's it's a movie as far as i'm concerned so i'm obviously the pilot but i'm ruling it out uh i have got green green glow of home love that Great episode mm-hmm. right two controversial slightly goofy ones but i adore them both for the weird reasons honeymoon in metropolis is an episode i've always loved mm. I very love, very strong i love the relationship between dean and terry in that episode it plays really well mm. 
Fly Hard is an episode I love, unashamedly. Um, the flashback <laughs> stuff I can take or leave, to be honest, but as a so whole... Fly, fly Hard is the one where they're stuck in the in office. The, in the planet, yeah. T- it's, it's basically Die Hard, but, yeah. but Superman. And he can't be su- turned into Superman until the very mm-hmm. end. Because isn't there something like uh, Commander Chakotay or so yeah. Commander Chakotay is the is the one of the the mm-hmm. terrorists and he has this device that if Superman comes in proximity, the building of it, will blow up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's basically yeah. The, what Batman claimed he had under his cowl if Superman tried to arrest him in Man of Steel three. That's right. Yeah. No, it it is a really strong episode. And again, it's it's that same thing where it's like. They were a little bit more playful with the format in season one. I think that they, they, they weren't like there wasn't this regimented rule that there has to be this much Superman and, you, you know, there has to be this much Lois and Clark. Like they were able to kind of do stuff with the other characters and, and have it be this kind of ensemble type thing. And th- th- this was a real kind of bottle episode, wasn't it? That's it. Also the last Kakarant episode. Um, and she yeah, has that she great just... moment where she goes in, they're all being held hostage. She's going through a drawer looking for the different <laughs> underwear. Yeah. <laughs> Which... I, in my head canon, Lois does kill Cat because one of the last things she says is, "If I get <laughs> yeah. out of this, I'm going to kill her." And then Cat doesn't appear again. Interesting. Um, but yeah, and I love. I'm going to cheat slightly, and so I don't have to have it in my top five moments. But I love them cleaning out Perry's office in the beginning. Just the planet crew mm-hmm. hanging around the planet on a Saturday night. Absolutely, I'd have had a whole episode just of that. Elvira, Mistress of the Dark. Perry talking about the Republican Convention. And <laughs> Not my Elvis box! <laughs> and all that stuff. Um, then I've got Never Ending Battle. I think Never Ending Battle is a great episode mm-hmm. where now, Lex is testing. I, yes. Mm-hmm. I always mix up Never... Because the second and the third episode are in the wrong they're order in the wrong the order DVDs. yeah mm-hmm. and i always mix up which ones which so it's the one where lex is testing superman it's yeah. a classic we we actually did an episode with zach moore ages ago where we compared different uh versions of lex Luthor, and we talked about that episode because it's it's kind of the quintessential episode for mm-hmm. john shay's lex and it really explains what he's about and you mm-hmm. know his modus operandi and all that sort of stuff and it, it yeah it's a, it's a fantastic episode isn't it it's the reason every so often i'll go like the s man when he saves that guy <laughs> he just calls him the S-Man it just always stuck in my head and then my last one shockingly is from season 4 and it was the uh, it was the night before Mixmas oh another great one watch that yeah, every Christmas love it mm-hmm. it's it's one that I remember not really liking as a kid but then watching it on the DVDs like a million years later I was like this is fantastic it's so mm-hmm. good I'll freely admit there's probably better episodes but for me those are the ones that really stick with me they're the ones i'll go to if i want a quick comfort watch or i noticed mm-hmm. none of your episode picks were kind of the more romantic ones so well well i suppose honeymoon in metropolis was but other than that would you say it's the other elements in the show rather than the romance that 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 makes it stand out for you i think they rushed the romance for me so i was into it yeah and then it kind of and then they started to they betrayed lois let's be honest mm. she wasn't the character in the last couple of seasons that she yeah. was in the first couple of seasons I thought they got that balance right early on and it just became a bit more Dean, like Matt says as well, there's no way in this world that Dean uh, Clark Kent would be the better writer than Lois Lane. Mm-hmm. It's like they even take that away from her. Yeah, I, I, I would agree that definitely in season four, the, the writing just feels off and like she, there's all this episode where she's 
she's trying to be a better cook because she wants to be able to mm-hmm. cook. Yeah. For Rosemary. Like, Lois mm-hmm. Lane wouldn't care about that, you know? But I definitely think in season three and two, there, there's more of a consistent through line. And I, I, she starts I, I, strong in season three is when you get to the clone and the froggy yeah. and the mm-hmm. memory loss and all that really annoying stuff. I, I do agree that them getting engaged as early as they did feels like a kind of a weird record scratch moment, even though the, the actual engagement itself is 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 really cool and, re- and and great and it's well done it does kind of come out of nowhere and you're kind of like there's there's a line where perry says oh, have you tried dating first and you're like mm-hmm. well yeah they mm-hmm. they probably could have done that to be honest but <laughs> tries to get tickets part, to a pole jam gig and there's mason drake on the scene then there's uh what's his face that's good yeah i i think when they're not trying to find weird obstacles for why they can't be together when they actually just are together it does feel very genuine in a way that for me like I think the relationships in Smallville, like they always felt a bit contrived to me. Even even the eventual Lois and Clark relationship in that, it just didn't quite ring true for me. Mm-hmm. And it it felt very kind of cliched and contrived. Whereas this felt very real for the whole for the whole way. And that that could be nostalgia. Like it is my first and favorite version of Superman. But the 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 romance always felt kind of genuine and consistent throughout the whole show. You know. Yeah, I don't know if they had to rush it to tie in with the wedding in the comic whether that was a factor i don't i don't know whether they just care. wanted to get to the point where they could sleep together I, yeah i, I think, think that they, was it i i think yeah i i really everyone talks about how they were trying to tie it in with the comic and all that I, you know the show in its height was getting 21 million viewers they could have turned around to dc comics and said we don't care we're mm-hmm. doing our own thing here you know um which you know the movies do so like if a show was that big i i really don't think mike carlin showing up and saying well uh well actually guys you know well, no i, I don't think that, i think they saw it as a cross-promotion because there was very yeah. little crossover i imagine from the people reading the comics hmm. into the show yeah. so yeah beyond like a few of us like i say most comic fans that i speak to kind of see it as this goofy stupid show mm. it, it's yeah. not their superman on, on the on the romance, Daniello, like, mm-hmm. uh, where where do you land on that? Do you think they did a good job consistently, or or is there kind of peaks and troughs? Before we get into your top five episodes, mm-hmm. yeah, I think they rushed it. I mean, I loved all the the romance stuff, but still, it was too quick. And I always thought mm. they just do this for them, you know, for them to have sex or something. For I don't know, there were there were there's another series that this is totally different. Dr. Quinn, Medicine Woman. I don't know if you know yes. that show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I always felt like they did the same thing there where, okay, it's like they have this chemistry, but they can't be together or they can't have sex together unless they are married. Yeah. And it works for a, a Western show because that's just a different time. But for an IT show, it was so weird to do it. Yeah, this, I, actually, I don't I actually believe at all that, that Clark Kent has never had sex. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I, I made that point on our other episode, Daniela, that I, I do suspect that they wanted to get them married because they, they weren't they literally weren't allowed to have the characters have yeah. sex before marriage. Now, Matt and the, the rest of the guys did, didn't think there was anything to that. But you have to remember, this was on ABC. The family like, channel. A, the family yeah. channel in, in America. You know, there was tens of millions of people watching it. They probably couldn't really get away with the characters having mm-hmm. sex before marriage. Because, you know, if you watch other shows from back then, I often bring up this show, Beverly Hills 90210. Like whenever yeah. the characters would would have sex on that, like there'd be these awful, terrible repercussions afterwards. <laughs> it's like, oh, pregnancy scare or something like that. And th- then they'd be like, oh, we've made a huge mistake. We never should have done this. And you're like, what? 
you know so i i i definitely agree i think that that was probably played yeah. a part in it as well also sometimes um, i think for whatever reason producers or writers think that once they have sex the chemistry is gone and yes. i totally disagree because for me the chemistry wasn't gone in season four it's just yeah. the writing got worse you know they yeah. mm. they didn't write them as sexy anymore but the chemistry was still there no i'd agree with that the chemistry never went for me either yeah just absolutely the the situations they put them in i mean you've only got to look at superman and lois their relationship is fantastic and that's a married couple you haven't got any of the yeah build up to it i just think they should have spent another season maybe building up to Mm -hmm. maybe end season three with the proposal Mm -hmm. yeah i i would agree with that I, i i think and we we talk about this as well that you know they were constantly at the mercy of, is the show going to get cancelled? So what do we do to drum mm-hmm. up, you know, excitement and hype? And I think the wedding was just one of those things where they were like, oh, what if we get them engaged? You know, mm-hmm. uh, but Daniela, give us your top five. Top five. Uh, <laughs> very, episodes, that is. Very season one and season two. <laughs> so Good seasons. Yeah. Uh, number one, my all, all, all time favorite season uh, episode of, of all the seasons is Wine, Wine, Wine. Okay, great choice. Yeah, this is just, there are so many nice moments between Lois and Clark, I find in there, that defines this whole series for me and their relationship. Yeah. So that's why this is my all-time favorite. Then Lucky Leon. And, and also, on Wine, 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 sorry yeah. to interrupt, uh, no, one of the things that's really nice about it as well is there isn't like a villain plot in it, really. It's like Superman yeah. is being sued by this angry rocker guy. Yeah. And that the whole episode is just about his court case. And then meanwhile... You have Lois and Clark's relationship problems in the background and Dan yeah. Scartino is still knocking around. And it's it's a nice kind of, it's a nice kind of relief that, we, we, you know, we don't have to, that, that doesn't have to be a big Superman plot. Like it's 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 more just this kind of courtroom drama. Uh, yeah, and I really I al- like that episode. Yeah, I also like, like when Superman is in court, you know, and when he's choosing the lawyers that he wants to stay true to his principles. Like, okay, I don't yeah. just want to win this. I just, I, I want to stick for truth and justice. Um, so that's also a part of really liking this episode. Actually, that that's a great point. And there's a scene where he's talking to the lawyer and he said, you know, I, I've seen every type of human uh, trait there is. And the yeah. one thing that I just can't understand is greed. It's greed, yeah. And I just think it's such a powerful Superman statement. And there's loads of those little Superman moments throughout the show that this, this series never gets enough credit for. Just how much they really understood Superman as well as Clark and Lois and yeah. everything else. There's another scene that I forgot to mention last week. The scene where the episode where he goes blind. Does you yeah. know that one? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it actually it has a villain from the comics. Everyone forgets Dr. Light. It was yeah. like a Justice League mm-hmm. villain is the villain of that episode. And Superman goes blind. And he spends most of the episode as Superman because he's Superman when he goes blind, so he can't mm-hmm. change back into Clark Kent mm-hmm. and he's staying in Lois's apartment. Okay. And there's this great scene where he's talking to Lois and he's like, yeah, well, look, if I'm blind, I'm just going to have to be the best blind person I can be and the best mm-hmm. blind Superman I can be. I was just like, yeah, that's just a, another really strong, like, that's what Superman would say. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, and, and not a great episode, but I really, really <laughs> liked that moment. And some really bad, like, blind acting from Dean Cain in that totally. episode as well. <laughs> but that scene, like, you know, we talked a little bit about Dean Cain, the man, and the things he said and done in the mm-hmm. real world, and how that has affected our enjoyment of the show, and maybe affected other people's enjoyment of the show to the point where they don't even watch it. Mm-hmm. 
you know, I, I have severe misgivings with the man in real life, but mm. I have to hand it to him. I think he was very good on the show as an actor. And I think there are loads of moments I can point to and go, yeah. Like for a guy who was kind of just a heartthrob and that's why he was cast. Mm. You know, there are moments where he's a really strong actor, you know, um, and that that would that would be one for me. And also um, the bit I, I mentioned, the Lord Nor scene last week as well. I think he's really, really strong. Yeah, him. when he's landing There's, in front of the planet. Oh, so good, yeah. you know. Um, so I, 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 I think, you know, we can be very critical of the man and we'll, we'll talk about this again. But, we, you know, I think it's fair to say that he definitely brought his A-game as an actor in, in in a lot of episodes. You know? Yeah, you've only got to look at some of the Christmas movies he's done to see how actually bad he is as an actor at times. <laughs> and, and that's <laughs> the thing, like, he, he is not Christopher Reeve by any stretch of the imagination at all. Like, he's, you can see him become a better actor over the course of Lois and Clark. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he I always was. felt he got an unfair yeah. rap. A lot of people did crap on Dean Cain. And this yeah. is Dean Cain, the actor in the show. A lot of people mm-hmm. did crap to, on yeah. his Superman. I always liked... I think he was a bit not as good as Superman as he was as Clark. Mm-hmm. But I always liked the idea that Clark is who he was, so he always felt slightly uncomfortable being Superman. Mm-hmm. I completely agree. Because yeah. yeah. Superman wouldn't like that attention either. So it, it kind of worked for me. Yeah, Like you say, he did get better as the season went on. It's just unfortunate that the season for, got for worse. For me, in this show, Superman is a fake like character that he's created yeah. in his head that he has to perform every time he's it's it's not like a literal person like the way it is in other versions so it makes sense that he's kind of awkward and stiff when he's superman yeah in this show for me i think yeah. um any any thoughts on any of that danielle before we go on to your next yeah i think even like bad acting that's yeah. called like even makes him a good clark because mm. he seems very very innocent and very pure you know so he doesn't he doesn't actually have to be this, or he doesn't have to have any special skill for for Clark. I feel like because Clark can yeah. be a bit bumbling, and you know he's not a, as much as as, as um, Christopher Reeve, but still he's yeah very very insecure still as Clark, and he evolves. And the the moment that you were talking about the one in the with Lord Nor when he talks to Lord yeah. Nor, Superman, and you, always, and you said that he evolved as Superman, he finally knew who he was. Uh, that I, I feel that too. You, you can really see the, the way he, he talk, uh, talks and walks is different than he than what he did before. Yes. But, yeah. yeah. So Very nice. going on with the episode. Uh, the second one is Lucky Leon. Ooh. It's my favorite episode, or second favorite episode because of the first date. Yeah. And I like how they handled it. Because it's the first time Clark ever, you know, takes a step forward in their relationship. I remember watching that as a kid, that episode. And it was such a huge moment that they were finally going on a date. And yeah. then they kiss at the end of the episode. You're like, what? Like, it, yeah. was, it was massive. And back in those, it, when season two was airing here, we would literally tape every episode. Yeah. Because I had, I had soccer training when the show was on. So my mom would tape it. And we'd come home, we'd watch it. And then I'd I'd watch it again all week. Like, yeah. I'd literally watch yeah. it every day until the next episode. And that was one where I was like, oh, this is one of the best episodes ever. And <laughs> I remember my mom taped it over. And I was so upset because it was, like, my favorite episode. But, yeah, like, it's... I think the villain plot in it is not so good. But, like, mm. um, I'm trying to remember. The guy who plays Lucky Leon in that episode, he's... Is he the janitor from The, Brex- the Breakfast Club? Yes, he is, yeah. isn't he? Yeah, I think yeah, I think I think that's him. Um, 
but yeah the whole date stuff is is really really good and and there's a the mask reference because just to yeah. date the yeah. episode there's a <laughs> clark clark like zooms into his outfit that he wears on his date and he goes smoking oh, yeah. like, and they even do the sound effect yeah <laughs> that's the one where mason drake dies isn't it yeah, at the end, yeah. At the end, yeah, you're See, right. See, I like that episode, but that always, I said it on the episode I did with Matt on the pilot. It's just, it kind of wrecks it. He, yeah. can, he can fly to China and get Chinese food in the pilot in like minutes. Yeah, and he couldn't. He can't run it. down the street yeah. to save Mason. I was like, there's easier ways to get out of a now, love triangle the park. Way, the way I viewed it, and I might be wrong now, the, the, the way I viewed it was he's kissing Lois and he realizes in super speed that there's a bomb about mm-hmm. to go off so the implication i always got was that like it's literally a you know a second before the bomb goes off, and he just isn't fast enough mm-hmm. but i think the problem is they cut to a scene of dean kane like jogging just down. Yeah, along. This, this is the problem <laughs> if they'd have done him like you know flash running yeah like it, it it feels like an editing problem rather than like a story a story mm-hmm. issue because he like, starts to hear the but... beeps doesn't he the bomb under the car mm-hmm. Yeah, but yeah. like I say, uh, just in my head, it's kind of like get, I'm kissing Lois finally, but I've still got this Mason Drake problem. Hang on, this might sort itself out. It's <laughs> <laughs> easier ways, Clark. <laughs> Two birds and one stone. Uh, sorry, uh, Danielle, you, you were telling us about your oh, next episode. Uh, no problem. Uh, the Arrival from season one with Linda King and Preston Carpenter. <laughs> Love that episode. I always liked when when Lois had Arrival to play off yeah. to, um, and that I liked one... their chemistry. Yeah. The, from the two women, you know. I love her last try- line with Lois when she asks who she's playing in the movie. She's like, I'll try yeah, to do you justice. justice. It's just a lovely little part <laughs> and shot. And Terry's great in that scene as well. Um, I, I have to point out the rival uh, is significant for me because it has one of the worst visible wires in yeah. the whole series, if I remember. There's a bit where Superman saves an elevator. Yeah. And they bring and him you- down. <laughs> They bring him down and you can clearly see the harness coming yeah. out of Dean Cain's waist or something like that. Yeah. But but then there's a photo of it in the Daily Planet and you can see it there as well. <laughs> it's like, how did they not notice twice? Like, uh, fair enough, yeah. you know, you see it in the actual scene, but surely the photograph on the prop, mm-hmm. they could have covered it up there. I just thought that was so funny. Yeah. And I like all the Lois bits in it. She, Linda King invites them to something... Preston Carpenter is, is, is giving a gala or something. And he's like, uh, she invited me, us. Clark, Clark tells Lois, she invited me, um, us, you want to go? And she's like, you will not be picking me up. I'll meet you there at seven. <laughs> I just, I just <laughs> love, love all the conversations. It's great. Sorry, I realized earlier I made a mistake. I said I would Metropolis for um, Preston Carpenter. It is and it's the rival. Clearly when I was, I was putting my short list, putting my long list together, I matched <laughs> okay. two things. Um, I was yeah, thinking that is it the Ides of Metropolis is, is like a computer hack. Yeah, the computer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, next episode is The Phoenix. Oh, great. Yeah. Love it. I always love the stakeout episodes. And the next one, I couldn't decide on Honeymoon in Metropolis or Church of Metropolis because I really like the Ch- Bill Church um, episodes. But I think the Honeymoon in Metropolis is it's a special episode for me. It's, uh, it's, it's such a good one. Uh, just to go back to The Phoenix there, like The Phoenix is it's another landmark one like and it's such a cool john shea episode yeah like the, the you know punching out of the thing and yeah she's like i don't i don't believe it all and that nigel thing like, believe it, it. <laughs> it's so good the, the only thing that bothers me though is 
the bald cap is so bad. Yeah. <laughs> it just looks so bad. <laughs> it's like, could they not have even asked him to cut his hair a little bit so that the bald cap fit Wouldn't a bit better? Wouldn't bulge out as much, yeah. <laughs> like, Zach Moore make, made a great point that, you know, if your Lex Luthor isn't willing to be bald, there needs to be at least an episode where they pay homage to the fact that Lex in the comics is bald. And, yeah, and you know, that's we what should, we should We should appreciate the episode for that. And I do, but I still think he just looks a little bit too bizarre in some scenes. And especially because like his eyebrows are gone as well. Yeah. So he covers yeah, everything. <laughs> but no, it's it's a great episode. I, I do love John Shake's reaction to that though, when she's running her fingers through his hair and then it comes out. He's like, What what's this? What yeah. have you done? done to me? It's it's really and and you know Gretchen Kelly who was played by uh, Denise Crosby from Star Trek mm. she was she was like I pointed this out to a couple of people on Twitter recently she was a character from the comics like a really significant mm-hmm. character she was Lex's physician in Post Crisis comics and uh, then when Lex cloned himself uh, th- she had to pose as his mother yeah. and it was really kind of fucked up because they'd had a like a romance in the past and it was really strange and bizarre mm-hmm. and I always remember in the uh, the Dirk Mags, uh, Stuart, you'll know this, the, the the radio drama of the death of Superman. They go into Lex cloning himself and all that. And the actress who played Gretchen Kelly was really, really good in that. And, yeah, like, her, her bit, reaction. Yeah, there's a bit where she finds out that Lex has been cloned and she just like starts screaming and it's it's really, it's really well done. Um, but yeah, when, when Gretchen Kelly showed up on Superman and Lois this season, spoilers, because you guys might not have seen no, that. No, yeah. Um, everyone was like, oh yeah, that's Gretchen Kelly from Lois and Clark. I was like, well, no, she's actually a character from the comics as well, you know? Um, anyway, sorry. So uh, what was the, the, the next one after that then was... Church of Metropolis. Ch- Church of Metropolis, yeah. yes. Yeah. Which one is that now? It's the one where uh, Bill Church first appears. The whole intergang. Oh, starts. yes. Yeah. yeah. That season, and that's the one, is that the one where Mason first appears yeah. as well? First yeah. Mason Drake. Yeah. Yeah. Where that they was, have and, this little dance in the in the end. Yes, yes, I do remember yeah. that. And 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 you see the intergang kind of like Spectre offices and stuff in that one, don't you? Yeah, yeah. Really, really cool. I, I, I again, I agree. I, I think um, had they stuck to that sort of darker intergang stuff, it you know could have been really, really cool. And it's 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 a shame that Peter Boyle just kind of became a buffoon when he came back later in the show. Yeah. Okay, cool. So the next thing we're going to do now is favorite moments. And the reason I'm doing this is because I find that while there are great episodes of Lois and Clark, there's great moments even in really bad episodes. <laughs> uh, and, you know, it, it's kind of cool to highlight those as well. I mentioned the scene of Superman, blind Superman talking to Lois. There's a moment that really stands out to me in, in an otherwise mediocre episode. Uh, Stuart, we'll, we'll start with you. Can you can you talk us through your top five moments in the show? Okay. Um Again, potentially quite season one heavy. Um, Jimmy sticking up for himself, mm-hmm. where he chucks Perry's fish the in the fish. bin, and yeah. Perry's reaction of "Good for you, son." Good for you, son. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 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 we had that last adore. week as well. Excellent. That Michael Lands and Lane Smith had amazing chemistry together. Mm. Justin yes, Whalen was fine, but he didn't have what those two had. Mm. Mm-hmm. I agree to the point where Michael Landers put him in his own when he put him in his uh, getting personal movie. Daniela, have you seen that? There's a there's a TV movie where Michael Landis and John, John Shea plays Michael Landis's father and Lane Smith plays his psychiatrist. Yeah. <laughs> no, you you wrote about it right in the um, legacy. 
it's not a great movie and it's got a terrible twist in it but it's surprisingly compelling (laughs) i generally think michael landes could have had a really good career in indie movies yeah it just didn't get the opportunity popped up in final destination 2 i think that's possibly his biggest movie Mm -hmm, until whatever the was it angel has fallen or olympus has fallen or using one of those wasn't he was he in that Mm -hmm. as well was he might have been the last one whatever that was called angel has fallen i think was the last one Angel has fallen was the last mm-hmm. one. Yeah. London has fallen, yeah. Um, interesting. Okay, well, what's your next uh, top five moment? Uh, it, it's been brought up before, but purely for nostalgia, the Batmobile appearing. <laughs> wow. Just because as a kid, that was so excited. And then that summer, Batman Forever, mm-hmm. they mentioned Metropolis. Because mm-hmm. my headcanon is that they stole Michael Keaton's Batmobile, and that's why Val Kilmer had to get a new Batmobile. Ah. that was that was my 15 year old headcanon um it's just as a comic book fan it was always really exciting when references were made to mm-hmm. other comics i i want to i want to derail this conversation now and ask both of you uh first of all <clears throat> are, are, do you firmly believe that batman exists in this universe and is it any of the other live action ones we've seen in the movies or or any of that and which one do you think it is Kilmer's Batman. You think it's Val Kilmer, yeah? I think it's Kilmer's Batman. Yeah, I think so too. That's actually, I I would probably agree with that as well. It's a nice kind of, because it's not as campy as George Clooney, who I think would probably be too campy even for Alison Clark. For season four. (laughs) But it's still kind of a little bit goofier and more playful. And yeah, I I, I would probably side with Kilmer as well, yeah. In a world where the Batmobile can drive up a wall uh, via a grappling line, that that fits in a mm. Lois and Clark world, and I think Keaton is too dark. If you can, yeah. Yeah. if you can, yeah, describe him that way, or too too serious, yeah, to be in Lois yeah. and Clark. I, yeah, I I, I I always think of Keaton as being either Nicolas Cage as his Superman or Christopher Reeve. It's it's one of the two. <laughs> um but yeah, yeah no I, I i never i wouldn't really ever associate michael keaton with dean kane yeah, it, yeah. Is, it is just too kind of inky black kind of stuff yeah um so yeah so on to your next moment Stuart. uh lois and clark in smallville in green green glow of home mm-hmm. just that whole section mm-hmm. i love it i love the bit with martha where it says about you know or I need to send a fax. It's like a fax. It's like, yeah, it's a machine. You can send it. Oh no, no, I just don't know if we had enough toner. <laughs> All those little bits. I love that whole relationship. The Kents get chance to shine as well, but mm-hmm. I just love the interaction between those four. Um, and again, I think that's some really nice Lois and Clark. Mm-hmm. It's almost like you know, a hallmark rom com kind of thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. but it plays really nicely. Um, then I have got. I have gone to the pilot. I've got Clark trying on the suits for the first time and then finally coming Love out. It. <laughs> Not just because it features holding out for a hero, which then ties it into Footloose, which is one of my all-time favorite movies. I'm not even ashamed of it. <laughs> it's it's so amazing that like holding out for a hero now is so overused in things now. Mm. But it's still that that scene in the pilot is just pitch perfect. Yep. It's so well done. You know, uh, I think it was in Shazam 2 this year, was it? Was Probably, it? yeah. Shazam 2's largely left my brain. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, it's definitely, there, there's a Holding Every Hero number in Shrek 2. I know that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that's, yeah. that's going back a few years now. But uh, 
No, amazing song. It, it became and, as cliched as somebody running for a bus or something and keep on running, playing, or somebody uh-huh. chasing down their lover in a movie, and that song would be the go-to one. I I pointed this out before that I think because the pilot was released on home video in the 90s, they have like exclusive rights to use that song forever now in that episode and they mm-hmm. haven't had to they haven't had to like change it out in in streaming versions and everything. So thank God for that yeah. because mm-hmm. they had in in other episodes like um we mentioned wine 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 I think there's a crappy mm-hmm. song over that now yeah. instead of the Eric Clapton one and definitely I am Superman which is our mm, similar to our theme tune. Mm-hmm. Um that's in Tempest anyone but they had to swap that out for some crap as well so but I think Bonnie Tyler is is safe forever yeah. thanks to the home video mm-hmm. so so that's pretty cool. Um um then I have got my last one I wanted a Cat Grant one cuz I love Cat Grant as a character. Oh. Yeah. And I really couldn't decide between like Fly Hard her first seducing Clark but I've done a pilot one so I'm going to go with Cat picking out an outfit to wear when she takes Clark home, mm-hmm. and she decides on the uh, jogging bottoms and sweater. sweatshirt. Yeah. <laughs> Such a great Cat moment. Nice little uh, Batman reference there as well. The dry cleaner that Cat Grant uses is the same dry cleaner that Selena Kyle uses in Batman Returns. <laughs> so obviously, you know, they were both filmed in the Warner Brothers backlot or whatever, mm-hmm. so they just used the same prop, I mm-hmm. guess. But it, it's just a nice little thing that yeah. links the, the two uh, universes, if you like, you know. Um, so that's pretty cool. So so the, they're all your moments, Stuart, are they? They're, they're my moments. Again, it's largely nostalgia and the stuff I connected with. Like say, I think there's a lot of great relationship moments. You could do a top five Lois and Clark between mm-hmm. the two of her moments. But I think Green Green Go Home for me covers a lot of that as well, as does Honeymoon in Metropolis. For me, their relationship was more exciting early on. I think it was great afterwards, but for me, it was that mm-hmm. cat and mouse, for want of a better term, thrill of the yeah. chase kind of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, over to you, Daniela. Top five moments. Um, the first one is one from Wine, Wine, Wine. When, when Superman won the court case and then he and Lois talk in the courtroom and she tells him she just wants to be friends. Yes. I, I don't know. This, this scene is the best scene of all for me because it sums up everything that Lois and Clark is for me. Her deciding yeah. that she wants to be with Clark she loves Superman probably forever, but she understands that he's for the world, he's for everyone, and she wants to be with Clark. And really good acting from Terry in that scene. Yeah, no, that that's yeah. a great, and it, it's you know it it dates the show in a way that like the the secret identity thing goes on for so long, and he he kind of lies to her, and the show asks you to mm-hmm. to like him for you know, mm-hmm. and a lot of the more modern versions sort of deal with that much quicker now. Mm. Um, but yeah, I, I do feel that they handled that well and that she had to choose Clark first before they could really be together. Mm. Uh, and that's how they, they ended up doing that. that. That was a great scene. Yeah, I agree. Mm. Then the second one from the pilot when uh, Superman and Lois fly through the planet window. The, yes. the shot that's in the opening sequence. Yeah, that's just, I don't know. Seems really iconic to me. Yeah, yeah, that whole scene is just excellent, isn't yeah. it? Like that whole the, the whole newsroom sequence, and you get great shades of Elvis for the first time. And don't believe just... anything you see on TV, Jimmy, or something like that. <laughs> that. That that was actually, I think that was number two on my moments. So yeah, it's it's a 
great, great scene, that bit. Yeah. I, I had um, so many from the pilot. But yeah. again, I sort of covered them elsewhere. So <laughs> Yeah. Then the third one is from the first Prankster episode where Clark uses his foot as a brake. He, he, he opens the door, puts his foot out and slows the car down. You know, which scene I'm talking about. Yeah. Vaguely. I don't remember the prankster episodes very well because <laughs> they're not great. <laughs> he's in the passenger seat, isn't he? Yeah, he's in the passenger seat. Lois is driving the her Jeep that you always see in the, in the series. And yeah. the prankster puts some oil on the streets and they kind of, the car gets out of control and he can't get out. So he just opens the door and puts the foot out and slows Amazing. the car down. And she even asks him afterwards, what do you do that for? Like, why did you put your foot out? Yeah, she thinks he was going to jump, doesn't she? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Um, and then from the answer is when Superman touches Lois' face and she realizes that he's Clark. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah. Also very good acting from, from Terry. Like, she has a tear in her eye. I don't know. Really, really nice. And the fifth one is the one we talked uh, about before. Short, like, Shortly before the the fight between Lord Nor and Superman starts, when he lands in front of the Daily Planet, and and Nor is asking asking him, um, in whose name are you fighting for? And he says, "I'm fighting for my people." So love it. Yeah, love that love bit. And and I should point out as well the DVDs. Yeah, uh, the wires. The fucking wires. Yeah, they, no, they, they, it ruins the scene. The special effects missing, but but. Having watched the HD versions now, they fixed it. The, yeah, the wires it. are gone, and they also so, fixed the uh, the X ray vision. Yes, they're, they're, yes, he he uses X ray vision, and you yeah. can't see anything. But now the blue beams are back. Yeah. Yes, great. I love that moment. And again, like people always say, oh well, you know, he was a pretty good Clark, but he was a bad Superman. I think he's a great. The Superman acting in that scene is excellent. It's really really good. Even in the episode um, before, where he's wearing the black suit. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it it's so good, in fact, that it makes up for the American Gladiators fight they have after that. Yeah. Or I don't even need to say American Gladiators now because I'm in the company of of Europeans. <laughs> <laughs> Gladiators, Stuart. <laughs> Jet. Uh, or, I I was only watching the whole series of Gladiators. The the UK Gladiators is on YouTube. You can just watch the whole thing. Oh, cool! See, that was and Saturday that, nights for me as well. What, wasn't it also on Saturday morning, so on Live and Kick? No, it wouldn't have been Live and Kick in because it was ITV. Oh, ITV was around that time in the mornings was Batman the Animated Series, Animaniacs. Saturdays were great for us because you had Lois and Clark in the evening, but you had the Marvel cartoons on BBC One in the early hours of the morning, then Spider-Man or X-Men in Live and Kick in, Batman yeah. the Animated Series over on ITV. What 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 did I watch Gladiators on then? Because I feel like it was on in the morning. Was they might on... have repeated it on a Sunday morning on ITV. Okay. Do you have any idea what we're talking about, Daniela? I know the American Gladiators. I, I don't know yeah. about the UK ones. I think American Gladiators was derived from the UK one, Stuart, was it? Or I might be wrong. No, I think it was the other way around. Oh, was it the other? Okay, yeah. fair enough. Yeah, but okay. in the UK, it was just called Gladiators, and the American one was called American Gladiators because they have to put American on everything. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's just guys in leotards fighting each yeah, other with fighting. sticks and things and knocking each other off things. So whenever I see Superman fighting Lord Nor in this, and he has that ridiculous crypt, I think it's called a Kryptonian Dre. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I just always think of Gladiators. And have you seen uh, Dean Cain on American American Gladiators? No. You should check it out on YouTube. Wow. <laughs> That's going to. Googled. 
What what was that thing he was on like fairly recently, Stuart? It, the the jump was that the jump, it was yeah. yeah, the jump, yeah. It's the only series of that program I watched. It was it was like a skiing thing, but then they ended up canceling it because it was so unsafe. Yeah, so many people got injured. I think he was <laughs> on the last series. And, I watched and he, that while I was building my Lego Simpsons house. And he even wore Superman colors on it, didn't he? He was mm-hmm. like, yeah, yeah, red blue and red, red down the side. That was cool. And he came across really well on it. It's just pre. Now Dean King. Mm-hmm. Well, that that's a great uh, that's a great segue because just, I do just quickly, ask you guys... I, I need to bump one of my top five moments. Okay, because I forgot. I love when Lois is it in the episode where Lex is making the temperature go up. Where she says about, it's not about what he can do. It doesn't matter. It's the idea of Superman, someone to believe in, someone to believe in. I think it's the one, the never-ending battle. Never-ending battle, yeah. it is. Yeah, it's sorry. Um, he says, "What? What is it all for?" Yeah, she says, it's not about what you can't do. I love that speech. Terry it's delivers it perfectly, speech. and it really sums up Superman nicely. Yeah. It's like it's yeah. weird how much they get Superman, given how much they deviate and take wild swings and other elements of the series. Yeah. Absolutely. really get yeah. Superman. So I'm going to have to bump the Batmobile, sorry. And also how yeah. much she contrib- contributes for him to be Superman. Yeah. yeah. Like even in that first interview they have together where she's like, okay, where are you from? She's like, well, what do you stand for? And he's like, well, I, I don't know. Yeah. And, and she's yeah, like, well, why not, well, why not truth and justice? They sound good. And he's like, yeah, oh, yeah, well, yeah. That sounds about and right, yeah. Throughout the whole series, she kind of, he he has this rough idea of what he wants Superman yeah. to be, and the the Kents have kind of informed some of that. But Lois really like reinforces it, and, yeah. and to the point then when when you get to season four and he's facing down like it it's like this collaborative thing. It's a little bit like in the in the modern Flash show, they have that that thing that everyone makes fun of now, where where they say we are the Flash because it's not just Barry Allen who's kind mm-hmm. of created this legend. It's it's a whole team of people working together. And in Lois and Clark, it's as you say, Daniela, mm-hmm. like it, it's very much Lois and Clark creating this myth of Superman, as opposed to just Clark himself, like mm-hmm. in the movies and stuff. I've always loved that. I love that it's two yeah. strong. Obviously, Jonathan Kent as well. But it's two strong women behind mm-hmm. Clark because yeah. that was the first time they really did something interesting with Martha Kent as well. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And you know, I'd love for them to be my parents. I love that she has all these batshit mm-hmm. crazy hobbies that may <laughs> or may not come into play in the episode later on, but. Schrodinger's holograms, that's sort all of yeah. but um or Chekhov's holograms, sorry. Um I just love that, you know, behind this Superman is two strong women, and that is a focal point of the series. All right, again, as it goes on, the Martha element drops off a bit more. And I I'm not taking Jonathan out of that as well. Jonathan is a very important part. Mm. But Lo- uh, Martha is the one that really encourages him with the suit. I love Jonathan's yeah. reaction to first seeing him in the suit. Such a great moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Eddie Jones is I, amazing, and 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 you know, Kate Callan is just the best Martha Kent yeah. ever. And like every mm-hmm. time I watch that scene of the pilot, you're like, oh yeah, if that woman was your mother, you'd be Superman. That makes I had, sense. I had a like, major just... mum crush on Kate Callan. <laughs> Never heard not, of him not not like in a sexual way, but just you know, I, I love but, my mum but... as well. But I'd love Kate if my mum Kate Callan was my mum, I'd be fine with that. I I think to your point though, Stuart, as well, that it was a it was a clever move as well kind of coming up with a more understated jonathan in this yeah. show mm-hmm. like he he's not like glenn floored and he's definitely not like john schneider where he's just this you know like he's kind of the lesser of the personalities in in that in that dynamic and it actually really really works well i think and like he's just this kind of peaceful sort of uh 
you know, soft-spoken man. And, you know, there's that scene, Alan mentioned it last time, the, the scene where he's talking to Clark outside the barn. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's, t- you know, Clark is talking about the, the pace of the city and he's describing Lois and, and everything else. And, and Jonathan is like impatient, just like you. And it's just a lovely scene. And it's a very different kind of Jonathan and Clark scene to the ones we kind of get in the movies and, and, and in Smallville, where he he's just this really big character and this really dominant influence and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So, yeah, no, I, I think the Kents were a masterstroke in this show. And I, Kay Callan, especially that, that scene where, you know, she takes out the S and she's just so proud of him. And yeah. Mm-hmm. It's it's magic. Like she's so so good in the show, and it's such a delight when she pops up and stuff. Now, like she was in Knives Out a couple of years ago, and she just popped up in Poker Face. Um, Poker Face. She's in an episode of that, and she's great. And she's like eighty nine, and she's still great. Like I absolutely love that. I've been rewatching Diagnosis Murder, and she popped up in an episode of that as well. I was like, oh, that's really cool. <laughs> Actually, it, King of the Hill, guys. If anyone's watched yeah. King of the Hill, she, uh, I think she voices Hank's mother in an episode. I think episode. you're right, yeah. And Lane Smith is in a couple of episodes as well. And there's a couple of like Lois and Clark alumni who show up in King of the Hill, which is interesting because my understanding is that King of the Hill exists because Fox were trying to like come up with new shows to go up against Lois and Clark because it was it was that popular like in season three it was just swatting other shows like flies and they 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 sort of rescheduled their lineup and they came up with King of the Hill and King of the Hill went on to become this iconic show I love King of the Hill <laughs> oh, absolutely love it um yeah so look I I did want to get we don't need to talk too long about it but I did want to get your take guys on the whole you know the the, the lasting legacy of the show is that it isn't really mentioned as much as say sort of Smallville, which people are constantly bringing up again and rediscovering and loving and all that kind of stuff. Um, or the Superman, the Christopher Reeve movies, which, which are still beloved, like Lois and Clark. Or even nineties flash. Or even nineties flash. Like Lois and Clark does tend to get lost in the shuffle a little bit. And I think there's probably one very big reason for that, but you know, Daniela, why do you think maybe that it doesn't get, as well remembered as these other versions of Superman, do you think? Well, I always thought, because in my opinion, it was a show for for women, Mm. and that generally comic book fans are men or boys. and (laughs) (laughs) Men or, well, let's be honest about this, boys. (laughs) The latter Um, fits us better, I think. Yeah. (laughs) He says all his toys behind him. Yeah. So that I always thought that was the reason, because it was too romantic and not enough Superman action going on. And yeah, maybe I, Rob, you you probably hinted at that that Dean Kane is a very big factor. Like, I feel like back in the '90s when you didn't have any information about the actors, mm. you just accepted more of what they gave you. Whereas yes. now you have all all these background information about everyone that you can I try to blend it out, but you can't really like Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 sad in a way. And I think it it takes away from from the fandom we had back in the nineties. Mm. What do you think, Stuart? Um, I think but within I'll come on to Dean Kane in a minute, but within the show itself, I think the last season and a half was so not good mm. in comparison to what had come before. I mean, there was good stuff in it, but it's not like, say, a Star Trek The Next Generation that has bad episodes, but 
you know, when the Star Trek Next Generation was bad, it's really pretty bad. Mm. But it's either consistently good or it's excellent. They didn't have that in that. It was either really bad or, yeah, that was all right. Even the better episodes in season four are not great episodes. As, yeah, like I say, as true. much as I love yeah. Twas Night Before Xmas, it's very much a Superman Hallmark movie. Mm-hmm. I just love it for that superman goodness. Um, I think there's that. I think I was so excited when Dean Kane was on Supergirl. He has that amazing mm. moment in the pilot yeah. where he says, nobody knows more about Superman than me. And I was like, yes, justice for Dean Kane finally. Because Smallville had done him a dirty by making him mm. the, the knockoff Vandal Savage. Yeah. Um, uh, to the point where I'd watch films that had Dean Kane in. I've watched Future Sport. I've watched Lost. I've watched uh, Best Men. All mm-hmm. these films that had Dean Kane in just because it was Dean Kane. And well, I followed him the, on what's Twitter. The, what's the diehard ripoff he's in? It's a uh, fire trap. Is that yeah, what it's something like that. Mm-hmm. I, I, I have that one on DVD, but when I when it arrived, it, it turned out it was the French dub of the DVD, and it doesn't <laughs> let you change the language. <laughs> it's probably better now. Uh, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, and then it's weird those clips you then when they talk to him about the Bon Jovi mm-hmm. single, mm. and like because that's a really political Bon Jovi one. It's very America critical in the montage thing you sent us when he's with mm-hmm. Trevor and Simon. Yeah. And they say about it sort of attacking America a little bit. And he's like, well, yeah, obviously, you know, I'm American, America first kind of thing. But he's also very chilled and laid back about their political. I can't, there's an element of me, it's quite amusing that it could have been Dean Kane or Kevin Sorbo and both went off the deep end. Yeah. We're, we're our two front runners for that Superman theory. Mm-hmm. And part of me wonders whether it was an element of it is just be wild and out there. Because it's generally him, Kirsty Swanson, Kevin Sorbo, all these. Yeah largely forgotten actors let's be honest i wonder whether he does it to a certain degree to get the attention to be on fox news for every time there's a superman thing like they dropped the american way let's get dean kane on to talk about it i absolutely think there's an element of that yeah. yes it's i i, I, I do relevance so we can pop up on fox and friends yeah because because it, it gets to the point where some of the stuff and i'm, I'm not going to go into specifics but some of the stuff he comes out with you're like that, that's just so performative and ridiculous that you're clearly only doing this for the sake of con- like generating controversy you know yeah. Yeah. and it, it feels like it it's solely done to you know and you have to remember like these these people their fame uh, you know it's it's all well and good to just say oh well you know that's his opinion and everyone's entitled to their opinion and and that you know but when someone is famous you know what they say has currency and it has power and it has impact so that, that there's an there's an element of like you need to be with great power comes great responsibility you, mm. you can't be going out and just saying whatever and saying oh well it's my opinion and you must respect that and one of the things we never really talked about about the whole you know we, we bring up a lot on this show about how dean kane and terry hatcher were both very prominent characters on the supergirl show and it stands to reason that they probably would have shown up on the crisis on infinite earths mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. thing if if the dean kane rabbit hole hadn't been fallen into mm-hmm. but um the reason i believe that he was dismissed from supergirl uh was because he spoke at a um he spoke at some kind of an event held by a church that are really really anti lgbt and uh you know he spoke at this event and he's like oh well you know it's important to have different opinions and all this sort of stuff but you're kind of like, yeah, well, Supergirl is a show that was like militantly pro, you know, uh, same sex relationships and, and all this kind of stuff. And Supergirl's sister in it, Alex, like she came out on the show mm-hmm. and all this kind of stuff. So if literally one of your actors is doing that. Of course, they're going to get fired from the show. Like, it's not as simple as just saying, oh, well, it's just 
they didn't believe that the show was too woke or anything like that. It was like, no, it's literally part of the show that they support same sex, you know, same sex relationships and all that sort of stuff. So if you have an actor then going against all of that, like anyway, uh, I, I, I do agree, though, with Daniela. I think it is a shame in many ways that, you know, people associate this show with what this guy does, you know, outside of that oh. entire sphere. Yeah. Because the the show itself, like if you watch episodes like the Tempest ones, like they're very much lampooning the whole mm-hmm. way of life where mm-hmm. everybody just wants to do whatever they want and carry guns through the streets. And, you know, just because it's fun and all this mm-hmm. sort of stuff, like they clearly don't align them, uh, like they clearly don't line themselves up with that mindset at all. So I, I think it is possible to watch this show completely divorce yourself from, you know, what he became mm-hmm. later on. And especially, you know, the, we mentioned the, the neo-Nazis episode. There's a line in that where someone says, I'm going to make America great again, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, and they're, yeah. they're, they're making fun of these characters, you know, like it's, it's just such a totally different thing. But I, I think it's important to bring up, but I, I am able to, in this case, I'm able to separate what the show is and what he what he is now i think mm. for me i am i think a big thing with that was to stop following him on twitter to be honest oh um, yeah same yeah i don't follow him on because there was a point where i was reading his tweets and then in my head it was clark from that that's the episode turning to lois going, <laughs> yeah but 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 another point you made daniela that i think is also true is that i i do think that the fact that this show partly aimed at women definitely um and also it it concerned itself less with comic book tropes and comic book stuff and was more about you know this romantic relationship and i think you know you mentioned the 90s flash Stuart. like if you watch that that's very much a, a superhero show for guys and for dudes mm-hmm. i think the you thing know? with the 90s flash is that it's had that renaissance because of the new flash series which i think lois and clark would yeah. have gotten with the supergirl series exactly yeah mm-hmm. had the dean kane thing not happened dean kane really shot himself in the foot he could have had mm-hmm. a really nice career coming out of that Mm-hmm. Like yeah. say, come Infinite Crisis, appear in a Superman in that. Mm. Possibly instead of Brandon Routh, maybe even. Yeah. Yeah, or as well as yeah. Or as well I, as, I, I, I could I definitely easily see think... them swapping out the Brandon Routh thing, changing it slightly. And, and like you have DK. to remember, like nobody remembered the Flash at all. Like the Flash was forgotten. Like it was absolutely mm-hmm. forgotten. And then when the new one came out and John Wesley Ship was in it, everybody just came out of the woodwork again. And mm-hmm. to, and it, and deservedly so. It's a great. I love the '90s Flash show. Oh, I do as well. But like mm-hmm. I literally, I have a figure here. Like DC directed this beautiful DC multiverse figure of John Wesley Ship Flash. Like that came out in the in the wake of all the uh, the new stuff. Can you imagine, like, we've never had a Dean Cain yeah. Superman figure? Like, that probably would have happened had all this crazy stuff hadn't mm-hmm. hadn't happened. And, and he did, as you say, Stuart, there probably would have been a big renaissance for this show. Mm. Um, I think as well, one other thing that maybe didn't happen that could have happened was back when Netflix was the only streaming service that people had and Netflix was a big deal and everybody had Netflix. Mm-hmm. I think it's a shame that Lois and Clark never ended up on Netflix. Yeah. Mm-hmm um because i think people might have rediscovered it that way as well i know it's on hbo max now and it's probably been on amazon and stuff like that but it's it's such a mess now there's so much other stuff that people aren't going to find this old show whereas back when there was only one major streaming service i think it could have had a resurgence there the way like buffy and stuff did you Mm -hmm. know yeah but yeah i suppose before we go guys does anyone have any final thoughts on the show and kind of what it means to you now as a superman fan or how it's 
informed the rest of your fandom or anything like that? Stuart, you had your can, hand up there. Can I ask a quick question before we sort of move on to that? Absolutely. Of just on the series, what are your feelings on the ending? At the actual final moment of the series, how the series ends? That's a great question. What What are your feelings on it as fans? Daniela? I hated it and I still hate it. <laughs> it felt rushed. The, the thing with the kid, like wanting to have a kid felt as rushed as them getting engaged to me mm, yeah and then ending it with that kid that came out of nowhere i don't know they should have ended it anyway else just not that way mm. it leaves open so many questions that and, and they probably knew right that they didn't come back like in the last episode well apparently they didn't apparently they did think they were coming back but i kind of do like the ending <laughs> really <laughs> Yeah, it's Sorry. it's it's kind of open to interpretation and like I specifically remember watching it with my mum in like 1997 or whatever it was and her going, ah, that's a clever way to end. <laughs> <laughs> because it kind of mirrors, it mirrors Superman's origin. Like they just get this unexplained ah, okay. baby from, yeah. you know, that kind of way. Like I, I you know, I, I, I think it's, and it's open to interpretation. Maybe it was sent by the you know, the new Kryptonians mm -hmm. or something like that, or, or maybe it's something completely different. It's their kid um, from the future or something like that. Their kid from the yeah. future. I think, I think I read one of the writers said that the plan was it was going to be a baby sent from new Krypton. Krypton yeah, yeah, like a Kryptonian that, prince yeah. or something, wasn't it? Yeah, he was a Kryptonian prince and he was going to grow up really, really yeah. fast. Yeah. And he was going to have to go back to New Krypton or something like that. And then Lois was going to actually get pregnant after that. And they were going to have mm -hmm. a real baby. But uh, that that would have been really bad, I think. Yeah. See, I, I agree with you, Daniela. I think they did rush getting to that point. But yeah. I again, I quite like how it ends. And it's partly because I've grown up with numerous TV series that have just suddenly ended. Numerous mm -hmm. movie franchises that have left the dangling things out there and never actually become a franchise. So I think there's that element of it. I like the open-endedness of it. I think the more I read about where they were going to go with a season five, I'm yeah. glad they didn't. Mm -hmm. Same. I, I agree with you. I like that there is that symmetry of they adopt a kid. Clark yeah. was adopted. Mm -hmm. They adopt a kid. And that kid mm -hmm. is special. Mm -hmm. And I quite liked the idea that there would have been a mystery around who the kid was. You know, yeah. Is he special? Is he just a human baby that's been left with them? Mm -hmm. I, I love that whole idea. Um, I I also think as well that you know everyone's like oh they should have done the fifth or sixth season like I liked the idea of them becoming parents I don't think I really wanted to watch them be parents of like a young mm -hmm. baby you know I I think the new show is great because they're teenagers and that's that's how you do that mm -hmm. it's it's hard to do an action show around like you know having a newborn I I, I just I don't know how they would have handled that and you know you probably would have got less Perry and Jimmy. You might have got more of the Kings, yeah. but you'd have got less mm -hmm. Perry and Jimmy. I suppose on that then, how would you have ended it, Daniela? Um, would you have liked to have seen a fifth season? Um, no, I just would have loved one more episode <laughs> to yeah. cover it up. <laughs> but yeah, by the time by the time the fourth season ended, I think it was so bad that even back then, even mm. though I loved the show more than anything, you still knew it was over. It was nowhere to yeah. go. And... I didn't want to see them as parents. So I, I didn't, I, there was not, nothing interesting more to come. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I know yeah. What you mean. I, I'd have been much less satisfied with the season three ending and there not being a season four. 
that would have been a really unsatisfactory ending, especially as mm. at that time, I remember in SFX, there was like pay negotiations with Dean Kane, and there were rumors yeah. that he was going to go off to Krypton and come back as a different actor. That's, you've you've mentioned that before. Yeah. That just sounds so bizarre. But <laughs> I, I, I read never that because you read that, that too. Yeah, I read that too. Yeah, that's insane. <laughs> there, there was that, and there was Christopher Reeve and Dean Kane were battling out to be the '90s big screen Superman as well. It's like that thing is never going to happen. No. That just feels like generated <laughs> story. But yeah, there was apparently a pay dispute. Where did you read that, Daniela? Because that's just so crazy to me that that happened. I can't remember where I read it. I think I read it on the internet, like still back in the 90s. But like in my school, we had one computer where you could dial up on the internet. And I think I read it somewhere there. But yeah, like looking back, it sounds so weird that he would <laughs> yeah. have the, the pay, pay discussion. Yeah. Pay discussion. Yeah. If... If anyone, I think it would have been Terry Hatcher. <laughs> Which I wonder if that's why we got more Dean focus in season four. Maybe. That's how they talked him back into it. Because like I say, yeah. I read it in SFX. And SFX mm -hmm. was usually pretty good with their... Obviously, this is pre-internet as well, so difficult to back things up kind of thing. But I have to, I have to say, guys, so I, I, I do think the show is missing like another... I think they were going to do a 13-episode season five mm -hmm. uh, on, on a cable channel to... to to sort of save money on the budget and stuff like that and i think that would have been just right to to kind of bring it to a mm -hmm. close i think i think we needed one more tempest episode and we needed we definitely needed one more lex luther episode just to really mm -hmm. kind of hammer that home um i know he he did kind of die in season three but they could have just brought him back to life again yeah. <laughs> and mm. just done one last kind of cool thing and i know Craig, who's on the show, uh, wrote a fan fiction story where Lex and Tempest team up and it's like they, they try to prevent Lois and Clark from ever meeting or something like that. And I, that anything like that would have been really, really cool to yeah. just sort of, you know, put the show to bed and stuff like that. And and I think I would have liked, I, I don't like the sound of this Kryptonian prince and all that kind of stuff, but I, I would have liked to see them, uh, you know, have their own child, even, even though I didn't want to, follow their adventures as parents i think it would have been nice to to conclude all that yeah um well listen guys uh does anyone have any final kind of closing thoughts on the show uh before we wrap up uh daniela do you want to go first any final thoughts on the show i think for everyone who loves the show it always depends on when you discovered it first mm. like what what struck you the most in that specific time of your life like for me it was puberty and you know finding out about boys and relationships for you it was probably more superman stuff i don't know or what matt talked about a lot of uh, um that he liked the the props from the show that he yeah. he's obsessed with the spaceship yeah uh, and i think once this this spark gets you 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 always keep it you always like whenever you rewatch the show you always find that that spark from back when you first watched it and Amazing. I think that's what keeps people interested in the show. Like the f those who are fans stick to it because of that. Stuart, anything to add to that? Uh, no, largely the same for me. I think part of the reason I became a writer of sort, even though I'm not a famous writer, but I've written for magazines, that sort of thing. Part of that stems from this show. Lois and Clark writing stories. It's just something cool about that. and struck me. I just... Whenever I hear the music or see it, I'm 
back to sitting on the living room floor watching it on a Saturday night or sitting mm. with my parents on the sofa and my brother. Yeah. And all that sort of thing. And then, like I say, rewatching it again Sunday morning that summer, or I just rewatched the whole series over a couple of days. Um, that, And then just all the stuff I've discovered since through finding out there is this community. Because when I watched it, I was pretty much on my own. None of my friends were really into it. They'd watch odd episodes if I was at their house. Mm-hmm. But generally, and you know, we'd have the argument about why is Clark wearing glasses when before he's Superman? <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Well, I think you'll find <laughs> that the Kents wanted to have him have appear to have some kind of imperfection. Not yeah. that wearing glasses is an imperfection. But um, so yeah, I was largely in my own little bubble with that. Even as a comic fan, I was largely on my own. My friends weren't into that stuff, they were into different things. Um, but yeah, discovering this community, meeting it's the first time I'm meeting you, Daniela. Obviously, I've heard you on podcasts, but and obviously meeting you, Rob, meeting Matt, discovering that Facebook group, and then all the cool stuff that's come up since, like that Daily Planet model that was auctioned mm-hmm. off, and then looking Amazing. at that, and then the set interior set, and working out where that window is, and just all this cool stuff, and the nostalgia for me. Just the show's lovely. I know a lot of people keep saying that they should do a reunion special. Leave it alone. You've not got Lane Smith anymore. You've not got Eddie Jones anymore. Mm. Which Jimmy just- would you bring back? Justin Whalen yeah. is a high school principal now. He is now, yeah. <laughs> really sinister photo on that one. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's very much a piece of its time. It belongs in its time. It should be, in an ideal world, like I say, it would have been honoured in Crisis in the Supergirl series, but obviously factors beyond that. And I think that's partly the reason why we won't ever get a Blu-ray release of it, or it'll be dumped on HBO Max. I wouldn't surprise, it wouldn't surprise me with streaming services getting rid mm. of stuff, whether that's one of the series that goes eventually. Perish the seems to have quietened down a little bit but and i kind of love that there is this small group of fans around it and it's not yeah got, i'd love for it to be massively popular but at the same time there's something nice that it's this small little cottage corner of the superman community that discovered superman through this or you know it was a key foundation Close of their it. superman yeah. fandom and i, I love the- that and i get yeah. there are people who don't like it and again that's not their superman 100 that is fine yeah I mean, I think you're wrong if you don't like it, but I get it's 90s goopy television. It's very much a piece of its yeah. time and it's the better for it. I feel like even though we are all very different, whenever, like when I listen to your podcast, Stuart, even if it's a, a completely different movie you're talking about, I always feel like I can relate to a lot of stuff you're saying for whatever reason. I feel connected probably because of Lois and Clark. I know this yeah. sounds maybe totally awesome. No, 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 I get that. <laughs> but you know what I'm you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I absolutely know what you mean. Yeah. yeah. And I think that it's a it's a very specific t- style of show from a very specific time. And as soon as I hear that someone liked it to a certain degree, I'm kinda like I, I instantly know that I'm gonna <laughs> get on with that. So I know what you yeah. mean. I, I haven't got much more to add, guys. I, I, I've I've sort of said it a number of times now. This is my favorite version of Superman. It brought me to Superman. And while we're, we're always going back and rediscovering all these other versions, this is the one that every time I go back to it, I kind of go, God, this is definitely like, it just gets so much right that some of the others haven't mm-hmm. even haven't ever even gone near. Like I mentioned last week, the whole concept of, this backstory Clark has where he's traveled around the world and Mm -hmm. he's learned all these different skills and he's, you know, met all these interesting people and he's reported on things all over the world. I just love that. And it's like the perfect little avenue, side avenue to to go down when you're trying to expand out Superman's origin 
and show how this guy who grew up in the middle of nowhere in Kansas can have like this unlimited wisdom about humanity in the world. I think it's just a really, really nice touch. And there's just so many examples of that throughout Lois and Clark. So many just little decisions they made that I just think are really special and really clever. And I I, I mentioned earlier on, I still think the the relationship throughout, like it, it has peaks and troughs and there are moments that feel kind of out of nowhere and stuff like that. But I think the core chemistry and the core, mm. um, you know, the, the dynamic between the two just works so well every time. Um, and I, yeah, it, it just still means an awful lot to me. And I, I think um, it's, it's still one of the strongest versions of Superman. And I would encourage anyone who maybe be, you know, tried it out wasn't for them I, I i would try and go back and 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 at least watch the best episodes um and 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 if you're wondering which ones they are just head to the lois and clark the legacy group and we, we can tell you which ones to skip <laughs> um but i'm going to close out the show with a, a song that was used in a bbc promo Stuart, there was a black and white uh promo of terry hatcher and dean kane and they both have superman tattoos and it's just this perfect, it, it, it's completely nothing to do with like the events that actually happen in the show, but it just captures the vibe of the show so well. And the song is Higher Love, so we're going to end with that. <laughs> <laughs>